Hello and welcome to episode number 132 of Retro Encounter, RPG fans' podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and I'm your host for today, and I'm joined by um, two guests that joined me for a different Zelda episode two weeks ago, uh, the first of whom is Stephanie Sabidlo. Woo! Oh, so you're one of those woo girls, Steph. I see. <laughs> I didn't have anything clever, so I just thought I'd cheer like there's an audience. I saw an episode of How I Met Your Mother all about that just uh, many years ago, but let's, we, we're definitely not here to talk about you know, sitcoms that got really bad towards the end. Um, but oh. we are we are also joined by Nathan Lee. Da, na, na, na. <laughs> you know... <laughs> I like us. <laughs> that sound effect is very good, and um, I, I was really, really tickled when in Breath of the Wild they did a super slowed down version of that for when you get the Master Sword. Did they? They, they did. Yeah, they, they, yeah. They, yeah, I didn't it, catch it, that. No, they, they like stretched that out to ten full seconds for when you uh, hold up the Master Sword and finally get it. It's awesome. But... Um, I love how classy the series is about doing things like that. Like, just just play the Zelda lullaby in reverse, okay? <laughs> and put it to an orchestra, and there you go. Skyward Sword got its main theme. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, if you hadn't already oh, noticed, yeah. <laughs> we are in the middle of Zelda month here at Retro Encounter. We are doing four Zelda episodes in a row in the month of April. This is the third of those four. You've been playing a lot of Zelda games between us. <laughs> I have, yeah. God. I, um, I'm... I've done three on the year so far. I'm, I'm near the end of, of a couple, and I, and I think I'm probably going to end up playing five or six. I'm just on a Zelda kick in 2018. My but, eyes are just really used to looking at green right now. It's actually very mm -hmm. comforting and soothing. This episode is going to be similar to two weeks ago in that we're going to be discussing all the games in the series. Like Steph mentioned, we're probably going to be jumping from game to game and reference to reference all the time, so it's, it might get confusing if you haven't played many of the Zelda games. But <laughs> unlike last... Uh, Unlike that episode, where we sort of discussed several games and then picked a favorite, we're just going to be talking about what makes Zelda Zelda, what are the, the bests and worsts of like Zelda tradition, like how Zelda is, like references itself and subverts its own formulas. <laughs> ba basically, we're going to be a little analytical and a little, oh my god, remember this, oh my god, remember that, I totally remember this, totally forgot about that. It's going to be, this episode is going to be a little bit flying by the seat of our pants, a little bit disorganized, but it is going to be about The Legend of Zelda. So, um, Nathan, I'm going to pick on you immediately. Uh, right. Like, what do you think is a, either a specific game or a specific thi thing or a concept that just speaks to what Zelda is for you? Like, when you think of what makes a Zelda game, even uh, a game that isn't Zelda, like uh, like when you think of Okami or Dark Darksiders or, or, or something, what about those games just speaks to you as being Zelda? Zelda, to, Zelda formula to me is kind of, you start off like this like little humble character, and then like, over the course of the journey, you, you're asked to go on this grand adventure over, like, like over a huge portion of the game, and you you get to get your items and you get your power ups over the course of the game and that you basically grow as a character and then you see your character evolve. That's for me. That's what Zelda is. Heck, to me, that's what a Japanese RPG is a lot of the time. <laughs> but um, well, Zelda's an RPG, right? Yeah, but no. You, it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a conversation we're not gonna it now have. Now it is. It officially is now. No, there's old, old like Japanese uh, guidebook literature that mm -hmm. does specifically call it an RPG as well. So you know what? I'm sticking to that. Um, we're not gonna uh, get into that into detail. I mean, I mean, uh, like RPG fans' official stance. Is that we've been covering Zelda a long time, so we're going to continue to do it. My personal. What I say is that the more we can cover, the better. And I think this is just a fun series that a lot of, especially RPG fans, will still appreciate. So I think it's a win-win. Yeah, and also yeah, um, recently, the more we get to enjoy, yeah, recently RPG fans been we've been diversifying our game coverage a lot recently. We uh, started, we covered a an Assassin's Creed game. Um, mm -hmm. We started uh, covering Okami a little bit. And uh, and a Monster Hunter game, all within the same three or four months. So, like, yeah, recent RPG fan is, we're not just about RPGs anymore. We're, we're about what we like and what we think our audience might like. So if anyone, you know, hassles us on Twitter about something not being an RPG, we really don't care. And you know what? I like RPG elements. You know, if it's got RPG oh, yeah. elements, I say good enough. I think it's something a lot of RPG fans will still like. In and, which case, uh, I think a lot of us still do like this series because 
Yeah, but but um, but, but Nathan was onto something there. Even though uh, the idea of starting small and with you know only three hearts to your name and an empty inventory, and then mm-hmm. and then you know like becoming a hero and becoming this you know this like arsenal of of uh, of items and magic by the end of the game, that that feeling of progress and feeling of growth is something that I think of as key to Zelda and key to RPGs in general. Like I mean I. You know, I am a humble man that loves seeing numbers get incrementally larger, which is part of why I love Disgaea, among other things. So just, mm-hmm. like, just, just like that feeling of growth and feeling of efficacy is awesome in a lot of games, including Zelda. Uh, Steph, same sort of open-ended question to you. What is a thing or maybe things that you think really makes a Zelda game and makes you think of Zelda when you see it in other games? The art direction the look sound <laughs> yeah to me it's it's like basically almost everything else it's usually about a boy with a sword but i always like the kind of world that they wrap it up in that makes every zelda game feel like zelda <laughs> you know they they know how to add elements that make it kind of feel like homey within its own universe right on and um i mean just to let's stick into the 2000s for an example i mean wind waker uh, Ocarina, uh, no, sorry. Uh, the, the Wind Waker, Twilight, Twilight Princess, yeah. and Skyward Sword are three definite Zelda games that have you know wildly different tones, wildly different approaches to art, but a lot of the same you know Zelda elements and Zelda traditions in them, and um, and and each of them you know like references old games <laughs> in a different or unusual way. Like, uh, For the I most mean, part, they operate on the same kind of design philosophy, though. Yes. There's always a lot yeah. of green, you know. There's always a legend. There's a hero. There's a villain, you know. So I like that. I think it was always meant to be that kind of very basic good versus evil story, um, and that and I think that's why they kind of push that angle of you know Link versus Ganon and all that all the time. But um, you know, I, just I like that they do kind of connect them in the way, despite the different worlds, the different looks, etc. Yeah, I mean, I mean. Uh... Zelda has had a wide variety of looks over the years, but uh, to to me personally, answering that question that I directed to both of you, uh, I, I for me Zelda is about the mechanics. It's about like exploring an overworld, finding dungeons, like solving the puzzles in the dungeons, and then with each new discovery and each new dungeon, you get more you know, more items, more hearts, more everything. And and uh, <laughs> with 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 some of the those dungeons and worlds being mandatory and some of them being totally optional. And the and and and, and like Steph said, it's wrapped in this um, this design philosophy, both visually and orally. That that's A U R A, not O R A. That that is that that is sort of has evolved with the series over the decades. Now, um, uh, I think with that we actually all gave a different, an- slightly different answer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I and I think all three of those are, you know, uh, pieces to the Zelda puzzles, and and there is no wrong answer for the question, what is Zelda, or what does Zelda mean to you? So, and uh, and I'm I'm sort of glad that we have a. Uh, we have three different perspectives coming here, even though two of those perspectives are Canadian. This might be our most Canadian episode ever, now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, even though, of course, the the Zelda's design philosophy has changed over the years, it does have a formula that it sticks to at least some of the time and um i in my show notes here when i thought about this a little bit i sort of picked out three early zelda games that i think did the most to establish that formula uh you have the original zelda a link to the past and ocarina of time because zelda one of course uh for reasons that rob rogan mentioned two weeks ago is very important it established like the basic basic formula of map dungeon Ganon, <laughs> that that basically all of the Zelda games follow. A Link to the Past is the first one that had a uh, that had sort of a um, a a more directed quest and uh, sort of and had the game in two phases with the uh, you know three and a half early dungeons yeah. <laughs> and then eight and then sort of eight later dungeons. The five big boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Ocarina of Time. I think added more to the character and to the plot of Zelda than any game that came before it, because it established um, the... It established, uh, yeah, a better character, I think, because that's one thing Link to the Past barely had any of. Was, everyone was just an NPC, basically. Yeah, Ocarina of Time gives Link more of a personality. It uh, introduces uh, the Gyarados good, good... The, and the Gorons and, and fleshes out the Zoras much more. And, like and between sort of... uh, Link to the Past and Between Worlds, you, like the, the sages were just kind of random NPCs between right, now yeah. where they actually, uh, Link Between Worlds, sorry, where they were each a different character. Yeah, uh, yeah, Ocarina of Time, it, yeah. It, they, they, added, <laughs> they added mystique 
to the um, to the lore of Zelda by by giving more you know uh, more weight to what the sages were and what the and what the hero is and adding you know personalities to live in all of the different biomes of Zelda. Because, I mean, in The Link to the Past, you basically just have people in Kakariko Village, and they're boring, and the rest of the world is only inhabited by people in caves and uh, and monsters. But in Ocarina of Time, it's the, Zelda was a living, breathing world with uh, different with different folks living in every part of the world. And uh, and I and I think really, you know, added sort of character to the, um, to the Zelda formula. So, um, Nathan, do you think... Um, uh, I guess maybe trying to stay a little bit into the in the first half of the Zelda series. Do, what do you think is something that one game did that uh, car- that was really important and carried over to later games? Just for establishing what Zelda is. Uh, it probably would be uh, <clears throat> uh, Ocarina of Time, just because this is the one that kind of laid, laid down the formula for everything. Because of how successful it was, Nintendo kind of just stuck with Ocarina of Time's general formula. Yeah. Uh, but is yeah, there is there something about Ocarina of Time that maybe I didn't go over in in detail that you think is really important for future Zelda? Um, no, you covered it pretty well, I think. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, Steph, uh, yeah, do you have an uh, do you have an example of something in an early Zelda that you see that you always see carried over to later games? I think the biggest important one was uh like how they very proudly took the design philosophy in the very first Zelda and expanded that in Breath of the Wild. And that was really important at a time mm. when the series was starting to feel very stagnant. I think now that everything's been kind of restarted, we can go back and look at the series a bit more refre- with a more refreshed feeling, <laughs> for lack of better words, because, you know, Breath of the Wild kind of restarted, you know, what they were doing. But yeah, like it was getting a little bit stagnant with that kind of typical Zelda link Ganon formula. Yeah, I, I think it was map, Link, map, dungeon, Zelda, Ganon is basically yeah. how, how most Zelda games went. But uh, mm-hmm. and Breath of the Wild was a breath of fresh air huh? in uh, several ways. But um, we can talk about that a little later. Uh, one thing that I think that about Ocarina of Time that I um, I, I might have remarked on this two years ago, and I apologize. Uh, it, I'm two years ago, two weeks ago, and I apologize if that's the case. Is how they made the music part of the gameplay with. Um, and the mechanic of the ocarina of playing songs that you hear around the rest of the game and giving power to those songs and having you learn like learn songs from hearing them is really great and also like those songs on the ocarina of in the ocarina from ocarina of time come back in later games and yeah. and uh, and it maybe even take on different meetings in later games like uh, you talked about how the theme decides to skyward sword is uh, Zelda's lullaby played in reverse, and um, and I think I think about uh, what is it? Uh, I think Midna's theme in Twilight Princess is also a uh, like a, a song from Ocarina of Time placed in a minor key and slowed down, or that I, that just might be Midna's lament is what I'm thinking of. I know they did the um, the final dungeon theme for uh, Link Between Worlds was another one of those actually. Mm-hmm. I think it was a reverse version of the of the Hyrule Castle theme. Yeah, there's a lot of music in A Link Between Worlds that is uh, that is adapted or somehow changed from uh, A Link to the Past because I mean th- those th- those two games basically share a setting. And, and, and there's I, a lot of attention to detail in the artistry of these games, like oh, yeah. you know, to kind of bring them together like that. And yeah, and of course in the music, I do like the like you were kind of talking about the ocarina, and I love how that really gets the player involved in a different way. You know, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of fun to play an instrument, right? And they mm-hmm. actually just make it into a gameplay mechanic, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, and I think that's part of why uh, Ocarina of Time's music mechanic is so good. And I mean, he's talking about how Zelda loves referencing itself. I mean, Wind Waker is explicitly a post-apocalypse version of some timeline out of Ocarina of Time, and yeah. Twilight Princess literally has one of its dungeons as the Temple of Time from Ocarina of Time. And <laughs> let's see, I think the names of the sages in Ocarina of Time come from Towns in Zelda 2. And uh, four of the sages in Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker are the names of the four divine beasts in uh, in Breath of the Wild, or yeah. uh, changed around a little bit. Like oh, Breath of the Wild had a lot of fun with its uh, location oh, yeah. names. Like, <laughs> yeah. They really so did. <laughs> and I think it's really sweet, though. Like a lot of the Zoro one, where they have like a very strong, you know, uh, monarchy thing going on, has like a lot of their rulers named. So I think that's really cute and clever. Yeah, and uh, um, when you, if you check out the Zora statues on the path up to the Zora Kingdom, they uh, talk about a lot of Zora monarchs of the past, and I think a few of them 
are sort of like abbreviated versions of what happened to certain Zora monarchs in older Zelda games. But like Breath of, I mean, we're not going to talk about the Zelda timeline much here because I, I don't want to, I don't want to get an aneurysm. But, um, <laughs> but Breath of the Wild does a very cool thing. It feels like a Zelda timeline reset because I don't know if it fits into any one timeline because it references all of the games in some, some, some more subtle and some more specific ways. And also, uh, there's the thing in Wind Waker where, you know, uh, certain species were supposed to have evolved from others, but they're almost all present in Breath of the Wild. So I, I, Breath of the Wild is, a, a, is such a cool celebration of Zelda, and also, in a way, taking Zelda back to its roots and doing some totally new things. Breath of the Wild's insane. But um, I think we've talked enough about the Zelda formula. What There are some Zelda games that absolutely do not give a rat's ass about the formula or, or re- like respecting a pattern that was established by a previous game. And uh, probably first on that list is Majora's Mask. And I know both of you enjoy Majora's Mask very much. So uh, Nathan, what do you think is one or two things about Majora's Mask that it does differently from Ocarina of Time that make Majora's Mask special? Special, excuse me. Special. <laughs> I can't speak today. <laughs> Those vocal exercises more. Yeah, when I was a little kid, I couldn't I couldn't say the word specific and I couldn't say the word naive well at all, and I would struggle with both of them until it just stopped happening. But anyway, uh, Nate, Majora's Mask, go. All right. So one of the first things about uh, Majora's Mask is that is the concept versus the formula is that there's no Ganon. This is the part, I think this is the one of it's one of the few games with without Ganon as the main villain. Instead, it's the Majora who's the main villain. And so nobody that's one, missed him. Nobody missed Ganon. <laughs> Just for once, it was nice. It's not yeah. like saying Ganon's a bad villain, but I do love when they take a break from him. And I and that's actually one of my disappointments with Breath of the Wild for all the good it does. is It just kind of brought back Ganon in an even more arbitrary way. Yeah, that was pretty arbitrary <laughs> in Breath of the Wild. It's just like, oh, it's just Ganon. And yeah. Then, yeah, and even yeah. some of the games without Ganon, like... Uh... Uh, like a link between worlds and Link's Awakening, have the the villains basically turn into some Ganon-like thing at the end anyway? So you're still yeah, kind of fighting Yuga, Ganon. Yeah, so Yuga felt like a real cop out. was like, okay. yeah, yeah, like, like I'm not, yeah, like Yuga is the main villain present for all of Link Between Worlds. He's a pretty good villain, but then he sort of takes on the, Ganon's powers and one of the phases of his boss fight is is basically Ganon. And oh, when you tell me you don't love like uh, the final <laughs> sorry, I know th- this is the whole point though. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah, we're, we're like, going crazy. <laughs> in um in a Link Between Worlds when you start that first that final boss it kind of plays a few of those SNES notes that mm-hmm. <laughs> And I, and I love I love how uh, their I mean a lot of games have Link firing light arrows into Ganon to defeat him. Yeah. But I, I love yeah. the uh, the 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 hieroglyphics <laughs> version of the light arrow in, the, in Link Between Worlds. It looks so glorious. It was like a moving painting. Yeah, it's oh, it's great. <laughs> oh, it's so gorgeous. So uh, yeah, back to Majora's Mask and Nathan. Sorry, we keep uh, we keep um, derailing the train, man. It's all right. So probably the other thing is they brought. Uh, they brought back the Ocarina Nights, but instead you use it to kind of, well, I suppose it's the same kind of way it's used in, in the Ocarina Time. You use it to alter the world, because in Majora's Mask, there's the only three days you have before the world gets destroyed. Mm-hmm. So you have to you have to play the song of time in order to re- reset the world. But the thing is, the only game that's ever done that, where it's, it's giving you like a specific time limit, and then you have to kind of work your way around the time limit. It took such a big risk and it really succeeded. I think that is probably the one that took the most chances and probably see- succeeded the most for it. Yeah, Majora's Mask could easily have failed because because of that one mechanic that they introduced. And I don't still... think it would have failed because it kind of does have Zelda on the front cover. It <laughs> does, but it, it, you know, you never know when something might destroy the franchise, almost like Scarlet Sword kind of did. Like A lot of fans really weren't happy with Scarlet Sword, so... Some I, just no, some will swear by it, man. They will fight you forever on that. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand the fan reaction to Skyward Sword. Um, I, I again, I haven't played it, so this is not an informed opinion. But I remember seeing like really high reviews and also really angry reactions. I, um, I, I think it might even be more confusing than the reactions to Wind Waker, be, uh, because like I, I, I honestly have no idea whether the Zelda fandom loves or hates Skyward Sword. I do not know. Yeah, I think it has mostly to do with the motion controls. I think that's okay. basically the sticking point. I think point. at first, like at first, I loved it. Then as I went on, I really started to dislike it. Now I'm just kind of cooled off about it by now. I, st- I think it's yeah. pretty good, but I don't know how it's how well it's gonna age. 
Yeah, plus it's, it is very formulaic. It's probably the most formulaic. Yeah. And, and the hand-holding. Like, hand, like, as good as it all looks for and all that, man, the hand-holding was on another level. Yeah. You like, 200 redundant item explanations by the time you reach the end of the game. He's just been walking along with five pops out and just like, you're weird, my batteries low. It's just like, thanks, oh, buddy. Yeah, and she starts with that <laughs> when you're only about halfway through. It's not that it's even low. It's like, it's half. It's still good to go for a long, like, 10 hours. There's a 93.1% chance five will appear until you something that's completely useless. There are literally a few instances where she will repeat something said literally moments ago. You are not selling me on Skyward Sword. It's really fun, and the puzzles are very fun, and the sword fighting mechanic is very clever, and all the motion controls are very well implemented. It's just got a few really bad hand-holding faults. Yeah, and like I mentioned in the favorite Zelda, it's got one of the best, some of the best dungeons in the series. Totally. Right, now speaking of those dungeons, uh, again, I also have, I've only played the first, I think, three or so hours of Majora's Mask. Um, it, it does have some dungeons, I, I'm pretty sure I remember, and, uh, yeah. but are, are those dungeons sort of similar to older ones where, you know, you, you go in, you find keys, you find a special item, and then the special item helps you solve puzzles <laughs> in the rest of the dungeon? Yeah, it's generally the same. You basically go into the dungeon, you get, grab this, the item that helps you beat the dungeon. So when you go back in time, you get to keep all the special, all the, you know, important stuff. So that, that's the way to keep you. So you can go through halfway through the dungeon, get the item, then you can go back in time and you still have your stuff. So you could do that. You can tackle dungeons a bunch of ways in Majora's Mask to get yeah. it all the time of it. So, but um, if you complete the dungeon in one in one three-day cycle and then you reset to the beginning, is the dungeon still beaten or do you have to do it again? You have yeah. to beat the boss again. Okay. Just the boss, but, but, so but you, can, you can make that part easy. But you can yeah. cru you can cruise through the dungeon because you probably already have the item and the and the boss no, key or something. No, no, no. no, like you know how uh, SNES Zelda gives you a portal in, at the start. Oh, of it okay, even even point? better. Okay, I guess. Basically, yeah. do that, but final boss makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because um, each boss guard like has an area change. So basically, like yeah. the first area you go to, there's poison water. So once you beat the boss, the the water becomes normal. It's very fortunate that the funnest boss uh, is probably the one you'll have to be beating over the most again. <laughs> oh, goat. yeah, goats. Yeah. The <laughs> so it's like, oh, I got to do that again. All right, it's not the worst, uh, I guess. You only have to do that for like the, you know, um, the, the critical, sword, the, the, think, like, right? like the critical path part of the game. Like you don't, uh, you don't, uh, like if you're doing it's a side, quests, yeah, if you're doing yeah. a if you're doing a cycle just for side quests, you don't, you don't have to go and beat the bosses. Only. Only for oh no, you, well you do sometimes if if you want to need okay. specific side quests, but it needs to happen like after the boss is, sure. is dead, then you have to do the boss again. Basically, from what I am, I'm understanding, Majora's Mask is just a bunch of complicated event flagging that you can, but you can start from the beginning at any time you want. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, that's about no. That's basically what it is, right? It's got an interesting cycle. Like for the for the time crunch they made Majora's Mask on, that game should not have been as good as it amazingly turned out to be. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, but we're since we're talking sort of about like dungeon structure, one thing I think is great to talk about Skyward Sword since we did just bash it a lot is the dungeons feel a lot more three dimensional because like you have to kind of explore them in a much different way in a very more hands on way usually literally <laughs> uh, because mm -hmm. of the the wag stick controls and all that. Uh, so like it's actually really fun to like send your beetle out and kind of help control it um, or use a whip to actually literally like you know chuck at the computer yeah. at the screen and uh and even the final boss key is a lot of fun where you have to actually kind of maneuver it to find which way it fits into the slot oh crazy i think it's actually really fun you're right the dungeons are a ton of fun and despite my complaints uh skyward swords dungeons are pretty tip top now um now now i adore zelda dungeons i and uh i, I don't know if i mentioned this two weeks ago but sometimes i th i think of zelda games in terms of their dungeons and their items like oh uh you know mm. uh, um Let's see. Uh, Link's Awakening is the game with Eagle Tower and the first one with the with the Rock's Feather, and uh, Oracle of Seasons is the one with Rock's Cape and the Magnet Gloves. Oh, Oracle so, of Seasons and Ages have some of the best items. They have some awesome items, but uh, so I, I often I think of games in terms of my favorite dungeons and items. So I, uh, we mentioned that in a more typical Zelda game, the uh, dungeon is, you do the first half of the dungeon, you fight a mid-boss, you get the dungeon's specific item, you solve puzzles with that item, get the boss key, then fight the dungeon boss. And usually that the dungeon item is involved in that boss fight. But 
that's not true for every Zelda game. And uh, let's go back to a game we've talked about a lot already the past month. Um, in Breath of the Wild, they really blow up the Zelda dungeon system in a way that I don't <laughs> always love. So uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of people agree. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, and, and now I'm gonna just explain it briefly, even though uh, even though um, many of our listeners, but maybe not all, quite understand how dungeons in Breath of the Wild go. Breath of the Wild has 120 dungeons called shrines and four dungeons called divine beasts, and the shrines are basically just usually one or two or three rooms where you solve a couple puzzles, and then at the end of the shrine you get an item called uh, oh shoot, I, I think it's a spirit fragment. Spirit or, orb, I think. Spirit orb, that's it, yeah. yeah. You get an item called a spirit orb. At the Might end, as well be a fragment, though, because yeah. you need, what, four <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, and, then, and then at a goddess statue in, uh, in a couple places in the game, you can trade four spirit orbs for either a heart container or a stamina uh, container. Maybe it's called something else, I apologize. But the... Yeah. Uh, but. And there's 120 of those, and you only and only a handful of them are mandatory. Like maybe five or six. Like the 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 four the four in the starting area you have to do to leave the starting area. But other than that, I don't. There's a you. I don't know if you have to do any more shrines beyond those. And and also you can. usually at, hidden in the shrine there's a treasure chest that has a an, an, some some rupees or a nice weapon or something. So uh, there's 120 of those, and completing all of them is. You know, and locating them can be very tricky. And sometimes the the quest to open up a shrine is so complicated that the shrine is just is just the <laughs> is just a congratulations finding finding us was difficult finding the shrine was difficult enough. Here's your spirit orb. But I know, see, but I, I I always hate that. I'm torn between like giving them the benefit of the doubt or feeling like that's a cop out. I don't think I it's a cop out. So some of those some of those quests are so convoluted. It's not a cop out. I I accept it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They do. They did have a lot of work cut out for them in the Breath of the Wild. Wild. So like it's one of those things where it's like some parts of the dungeon I don't like, but I still think they had a great idea. Yeah, but but anyway, those um those shrines uh I mean a lot of them do require special techniques that uh, Link learns in his uh in the first area mm -hmm. like like some like one of the um skills you get early on is a is a mag is a magnetism power called magnesis and some dungeons are just all about using magnesis to find to solve the puzzle and some like of them how, are... uh, yeah they bring that out right away like these very very rudimentary kind of uh tools they give you they bring yep. them out right away and they're yours for the entire game and they're yours like catch free yep they basically teach you four spells give you a shield and a bow and then you use the uh your your bow and your shield and those spells for the whole game and they can get they're quite versatile a lot of the time, and and uh, but also uh, in addition to the 120 shrines, there are four divine beasts, which are giant like ancient tech steampunk, uh, or I don't I don't know like ancient punk, <laughs> um, giant an uh, giant animals whom you have to first sort of um, slow down or tame in a way like you have to like like you know um, they, like they might have. You know, yeah, uh, they're out of control, and you gotta do your kind of main quest to to help them out, so they can be static and relaxed and docile, and then you can go in there, fight the evil, and yay, win and get some superpower. <laughs> yeah, Something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, expanding on that a little bit, you have to sort of you have to sort of sort of battle them from the outside, so that they so that they slow down and you can enter them, and then once you're inside the beast, you you have to. Uh, you know, just find a bunch of map consoles and then manipulate the beast's controls to, you know, shift around its its contents. And it, it's um, there's no exciting. yeah, it's pretty exciting. And there is a boss battle yeah. at the end, but and, and they're all uh, but I guess they... generally I do like when the series brings in like an NPC helper. Uh, so I think each of the main quests for that do right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, um, yeah, you have a helper that helps you get inside, and then you speak to the deceased champion who uh, yeah. who who was the former master of the divine beast a hundred years earlier in the storyline, and and mm -hmm. they help you from the inside. So it's like story wise, getting through the divine beasts are cool, but the actual mechanics of solving them. I don't think I like them as much as a regular Zelda dungeon because they no. feel no. they don't have as much. Yeah, they don't have as much personality as like the best uh, dungeons in in older Zelda games, even specifically 3D ones. I and did love the 3D map though. I thought that was that was a good. The 3D choice. map is cool, and like and and it's like so the only intuitive thing I like about it though. And like solving the uh, um, the the elephant, uh, one of the divine beasts is an elephant, and like um, basically manipulating its trunk to change yeah. where the where the water is located is a is a very cool mechanic. It's but and even though some of the jumping puzzles about the trunk are annoying um 
but it's but it's clever. Yeah, but it's clever, and also um, the, also I the other thing that bothers me that uh, is also true of some older Zelda games, they don't have. I I mentioned that the best Zelda dungeons have personality. I don't think, like. From the in, from the inside, you can really the tell the divine beast. Be yeah, you really can't tell them yeah. apart. They're 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 sort of beige and brown, and then the sky outside is blue, and that's a that's about it. Yeah, basically. And well, moving away from Breath of the Wild for a second, um, yeah. my 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 probably my all time favorite Zelda game, A Link Between Worlds, also changes the Zelda dungeon formula in the, in a little bit. It's kind of like Breath of the Wild in that most of your advanced skills are available right at the beginning of the game because Link Between Worlds, other than your sword and shield, has a uh, has sort of um, nine key items that you can rent from a shop right at the beginning, and all of the dungeons in the game have one of those items as a, as a requirement like a, there's one dungeon in the second half that has a little that has a little uh, emblem in front of it that has a bomb symbol so you know that you need bombs for that dungeon but um but it's still optional and although you have to complete all of the dungeons in a link between worlds to beat the game these are really good versions of Zelda dungeons they uh they don't have a key item found in the middle that uh that you know unlocks the second half of the dungeon because you're involved. You're having puzzles involving one of your key items throughout the whole dungeon, but I still think they're really tightly designed and awesome, and gives you and that that item freedom gives you, you know, more options from the from the get go than previous Zelda games did. I don't. I'm not going to say it gives you as much freedom as Breath of the Wild, or that the dungeons are as good or as crafted as the best dungeons in um, Twilight Princess or Skyward Sword. But I really, really like A Link Between Worlds, and I want the next 2D Zelda to be. If not, I, if, if not just like it, then at least a lot like it. <laughs> I sort of touched in my uh, the Zelda feature that we're doing for the site, though. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I love about a lot of Link Between's Worlds dungeons is something they have is very moderate difficulty. You will never stay stuck on any puzzle too long, and so every dungeon experience is very like nice, fluid, and very satisfying. Yeah, it's you know, like there's no obnoxious. Uh, like I found the Goron dungeon in um, in Majora's Mask to be just a little much yeah that was, that was a little annoying <laughs> you know like you had pillars to knock down you had to fight a few whiz robes and they're really annoying in majora's mask um you know the amount of whiz robes you ends... fight in majora's mask is ridiculous oh i hated them too they're the least fun version of that um yes yeah, so you had to knock down a pillar you had to do a few really risky maneuvers with the goron rolling and then do it all in a three-day cycle it was just oh, wow. bananas um we we've talked about how dungeons get weird in Zelda games, and also but and also how they're they've been you know formulaic for the uh, many years. Um, starting with you, Steph, is the, do you do you have like an overall favorite, or maybe your top two or three favorites in the in the series that you just you know smile at every time you think about? <laughs> I didn't know this question was coming. Okay, um... okay, no, I, I, that's unfair. <laughs> I put you on the spot, so I'll 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 go with the, I'll say a couple of mine first. Um, okay. I love the Thieves Town dungeon in uh yeah. in A Link to the Past and Link Between Worlds because in the first one, um. You 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 rescue a an imprisoned girl, and if you try to leave the dungeon with her, she freaks out and uh, and and she doesn't join you. But if you take if you take her to an area of the dungeon where um, where sunlight is breaking through, then she turns into a the sunlight hating monster blind, and uh, she and is the final boss. And then the and then the re, you rescue the real imprisoned girl after you defeat uh, blind. And then in the A Link Between Worlds version of the same dungeon. You meet another girl, but she's not a, a captured maiden. She's a uh, she's a thief, and you're um, both you and her are imprisoned. And you help each other break out of prison and like sneak through the dungeon's traps. And then you fight a new version of the uh, of the Link to the Past boss. Yeah, and it's I thought and that it's... was really clever too, though. Mm -hmm. And also, yeah, you, you, you don't uh... rescue the sage in the dungeon at the end. At the at the end of the dungeon, the thief girl takes you to her house, and she gives you the uh, the sage painting that she stole from the dungeon. <laughs> It's a nice subversion of the, the gentle maiden. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I like both of those a lot. Uh, Nathan, do you have a, um, one or two favorite Zelda dungeons that you uh, have thought about a lot over the years? Uh, I think I mentioned this back in uh, a favorite Zelda, but I like the Angel Sister in the one a lot from yeah. Skyward Sword. Mm, okay. It's so pretty. It, that's basically yeah. the game's water dungeon. Cause again, it is, I, yeah. I haven't played this yeah. one again. It's gorgeous. Like Usually your, dun your water dungeons are just kind of you know dungeon-y, dark watery and all that but this one Dungeon is gold. watery understand yeah. no this one is golden and artful yeah. like 
it's you don't, it's very you don't spend a lot of time in the water too, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, and the final boss or the the boss in that area does not deal with uh, any sort of water at all, which is really great. Yeah, I didn't like swimming it's in the Skyward best, Sword. As the boss is too clocked, those is so fun. Oh, that one's a great bout. Yeah, that one's a great fight. <laughs> um. Oh, what's another go? Uh, I think a lot of us can agree the Forest Temple is a tip-top Zelda dungeon. Uh, from Ocarina of Time? I didn't find the first three dungeons in Ocarina of Time really that special either. Like, the Deku Tree feels almost like me taking care of some weeds in my backyard. Like, it's just so easy. You go there, just, you know, run through the... Yeah, I'm, I'm basically with you. I think that the first three dungeons in the, uh, in, in the Adult Link uh, Hyrule are way better than the previous ones in the, in, as a, for Kid Zelda. Oh, completely, yeah. Yeah, yeah like the forest fire and are incredibly boring, and mm -hmm. the, the uh, Jabu Jabu is just a very obnoxious dungeon. Yeah, Jabu Jabu's belly isn't much better in uh, Oracle of Ages. That's one of my least favorite dungeons in that game. <laughs> but, uh, oh man, one dungeon I do like in those handheld Zeldas is uh, the Sword and Shield dungeon from Oracle of Seasons. Like, Oracle of Seasons does not have great dungeons until the last three are, like, way better than the first four, five. And Sword and Shield. Um, the first couple in seasons are way too easy, but the the last ones are challenging enough. And Sword and Shield Dungeon's cool because it's in uh, Subrosia, which is sort of a part of the game that you explore bit by bit, and is uh, is unlike the rest of the other overworld. They're so charming. Yeah, <laughs> and um and the dungeon's two floors. One floor is shaped shaped like a sword and is a bunch of fire puzzles, and one short floor is shaped like a shield and full mm. of ice puzzles. And it's a, so it's, it's a very nice dichotomy, and it's also a big, complicated-ass dungeon that's a, felt that like a good really cap-off. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good one for those handheld games. I like the Oracle of Ages ones, though, because they're very puzzle-based. Yeah, the Oracle of Ages, Ages dungeons have better puzzles than the Oracle of Seasons they ones. They specifically, yeah, require uh -huh. a tickle of your noodle. Yeah. That. Uh, but yeah... <laughs> And then, man, but, uh, like, but some of the man, some of the stuff getting in between the dungeons in the in those Capcom Zelda games, I don't love as much. Like, uh, like a lot of Zelda games have really good inter-dungeon activities and good side quests, but man, like, like doing the lizard trading game in Oracle of Ages when they steal all your stuff and finding the oh, library awesome. books in Minish Cap, it's like, man, Capcom, come on, this is a little no, no, much. The one I hated too was uh, there's a minecart minigame where you have to like kill some enemies and you have to prevent a trolley from hitting the stone. Like, oh, it, shit. it's so dumb and it's I'm, really annoying. <laughs> I, oh, I, I, this is, is this before inside a dungeon or outside a dungeon? It's, uh, it's in Oracle of Ages. It's when you're doing the town that, uh, it's like lava, it's like a lava town. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, there's yeah, one, so there's one. something really weird and it's just incredibly difficult and annoying. Uh, oh, the I, I, I remember, the, I remember the lava town, but I don't remember that puzzle. Yeah. It's been a lot of years since I played that one. The, the one one of the like in between dungeon things that I like doing the most though was in Twilight Princess, um, going into the third dungeon, because it's very long. You basically explore the rest of the Hyrule map, which was like sixty percent of it more than you had to explore. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The the third um like wolf tracking quest is like this bigger than the first two combined. Oh yeah, yeah I remember that. You do a whole bunch of events as Wolf Link and as Normal Link, and you get a whole bunch of story progress, and you get your horse. Like, yeah, it just everything kind of circles back together again. So, uh, Nate, do you have a, a favorite or least favorite, you know, inter dungeon quest? <laughs> uh, for favorite, there's still uh, Andrew Cafe from Majora's Mask. Right. Oh, yeah, that's a famous side quest. Yeah, I've, I've, I've even seen. I've read articles. I haven't played Majora's Mask, but I've read articles just about that side quest. Yeah, it's it's great because it takes place over the three D cycle. You have to reunite these two uh, lovers. Like one of them's been turned to turned to a child, so you, but then you can't really access a lot of this quest until you go through a, a good portion of the game. You can try and, and do it, but the game just won't let you. <laughs> so it's, there's a lot of but there's a lot of like stuff you have to do for, for this quest. Yeah, it takes place over three D cycle, and then. Like right around, I think the three hours left in the game, like before uh, the moon crashes, you, you have to uh, finish the quest. No, doesn't it literally end in like the last hour? You're basic. Yeah, it's doing basically the how many seconds left before the moon hits. I think it's like the final five minute timer before it actually, yeah, uh, they actually reunite. It, it, it's after midnight. Like you only have less than six hours in game time to to to, to uh, finish it. They fortunately <laughs> made it a lot easier in the 3DS games. Do Do you get yeah. a, Do you at least get an item or something at the end of the side quest? that you can carry on to other to other cycles like it leads get, to the best item it oh, will you, lead you, to the best you, item. you get a bunch of uh get a bunch of masks along the way okay sure yeah. and, then, 
But then the, the the only like you got I think was what mask was it? I forget I forget the name of the mask, but the mask that that you get from doing the quest gives you one heart cont uh, one heart piece. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, le le at least that's something. It's, it's, it's not. <laughs> you get something at least something beyond uh, you know a fuzzy feeling in your in your tummy, which is you know. Uh, oh, I was well, hoping it was too. more than that. Okay. Gratitude crystals. <laughs> Crystallized right, right. gratitude. Yeah, gratitude crystals. Those are an item in in I think Skyward Sword. You I I read in the feature. Yeah, they're really on the nose. Like <laughs> you basically, you basically... They, they literally did not think of anything better to exchange for it besides crystals, and it's it's cute. Like what it do, is. Do is you trade them for something? Like I mean, yeah. I, because I'm I'm a I'm a selfish, terrible person. I refuse to get more than I I demand more than simply demand gratitude. <laughs> what it is is it helps you for a quest. So like in Skyloft late at night, there's some sort of like uh, meek demon living in there. And he's like this kind of really geeky demon who wants to be turned into a human. And so apparently if you collect enough gratitude crystals, his dream will come true. And lo and behold, yeah, it works out. And he looks very like a very geeky human. <laughs> does, he, does he at least give you a heart piece for turning into a geeky human? Uh, I forgot the total reward. It's tip of my tongue, but I completely okay, forgot. Okay, but, but there is some reward. Okay, There's, okay, good. Cause, well, it's like yeah. Twilight Princess. They give you a reward for all the pose, and it was not worth the amount of effort to get them. <laughs> I... <laughs> They I mean, do that I mean, a lot in the series, a lot. Yeah. The Korok seeds too. Yeah, there's there's a lot of sort of carrot on a stick. The one. <laughs> there's a lot of carrots oh. on sticks in the Zelda series, and and like the, 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 the collectibles range from being as silly as gratitude crystals to as mind-numbingly numerous as the Korok seeds to as awesome oh. and satisfying as the Mayamai, which are still my I favorite. Wish they, I wish they made uh, having a house in Breath of the Wild and Wind Waker a lot more satisfying than it was. Yes, and a few I games actually. Yeah, I don't know. There's something fun about owning your own place in a video game. <laughs> yeah, I love that aspect. It's when, when you play in RPGs, I love it. Skies of Arcadia? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> you have a village. Like, all right, Nina Kuni's like being praised for mostly that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about a lot of dungeons, a lot of uh, Zelda formula stuff. We've been bouncing around all over the series. Um, uh... <laughs> oh, can we talk about Link, Zelda, and I guess Ganon a bit? Oh, sure. Um... I don't like. I don't know. How do you guys feel about like the whole Triforce Triad? <laughs> I well, I, I don't mind them as concepts, and uh, like like wisdom, power, courage are kind of a you know much better than the John Cena version. Hustle, loyalty, respect. But it, like, and and having and wow. having them as having them as like the three central characters and the you know a, and a central like Ganon as the main opponent and Link as the main hero most of the time doesn't really bother me. I wish that I, I like it when Zelda steps out of her box a little bit and it isn't just a... <laughs> I don't know why I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wish they always, always wish they do more with Zelda. Like that's more yeah. Than yeah, it's, I love it's, people it's like... starting to, to want to see that too, I think. I like the Breath of the Wild version of Zelda because, like, the, the the idea that she's been struggling for a hundred years to hold uh, the demons at bay is kind of cool, and she they give her a personality. I mean, it's true. Yeah, I mean, it's it's true, but, memories. But, but the memories at least give her a personality and give and give I like her. That. And, and I like that. I actually liked her personality mm -hmm. there more than uh, Skyward Sword a little bit. I like Skyward Sword Zelda. That's probably my favorite Zelda. I don't know why I'm as iffy about it. I think it's her short bangs and me being a weirdly <laughs> fashionably opinionated woman, I guess. <laughs> I know, because she has such a big role in Skyward Sword's story. And... I, I like that. The one thing that really ticked me off was when she's like, I've been using you this whole time. It's like, not really. You're just being a saint again. It's I mean, but, but a lot of the time she's a lot of the time she's the just an object. Yeah. yeah. And At like, the beginning of Skyward Sword, though, I thought she was adorable, and I thought there that like kind of romance going on between them was like the the sweetest thing. It's something I've seen you never see in Zelda. It's like you never see Zelda actually pining after Link. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I if I have a if I have a least favorite version of Zelda, it might be the one I'm playing right now. In, in Minish Cap, she is turned into a stone statue oh, at yeah. the, in the first 15 minutes, and then she is literally an object that you're trying to rescue for the entire yeah. rest of the game. But um, I, 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 my uh, one of my dreams is for is for Nintendo to be very very cheeky, and I, I've I've told people this before. Maybe I don't know if I said it in the podcast though. I want them to make a video game called The Legend of Link, where Zelda's the main character, and she's trying to search for <laughs> she's trying to search for Link, the legendary hero. But she ends up but she ends up becoming the hero in the process. That, that, you know that, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give that answer. My favorite version of Zelda is uh, Hyrule Warriors. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah, having your favorite Zelda be in a, be Hyrule. 
Warriors or one of the Smash Brothers games is yeah. is, is maybe the most the, the most warrior like Zelda most possible. Satisfying answer. <laughs> uh, I did like her as a as a as a true matriarch in uh, in Twilight Princess. Mm. The only thing that gets me every time is it literally makes no sense where she disappears in the middle of the plot and reappears just completely with no explanation at the end. I also like the uh, link between world Zelda thing. because because she's yeah. like she's trying to be a responsible ruler and then when she meets her low rule counterpart Hilda, they yeah. they sort of want to help each other but also they each have their own sort of agenda. It's it I don't I don't, I don't want to spoil the very ending of those games, but um but like seeing two two princesses which is like the opposite of a spin doctor's song um like seeing two princesses at odds is really interesting in uh in link between worlds that that is part of why the ending to link between worlds is so satisfying yeah most definitely i love that ending the mo probably the most so um uh steph do you have a favorite or least favorite ganon that stands out I honestly don't like the idea of Ganon anymore. <laughs> I'm kind of over it. I've loved the way they've depicted him visually. I think it's a gorgeous visual, and I think that's partly why they keep going with it. Because uh, that whole, you know, imposing that fiery red, those, you know, kind of charcoal blacks, uh, you know, those dark yellows and golds are really, really cool looking, but I'm just kind of over the concept. Um... Yeah, I, I don't. I don't mind his his general look or his color palette. Um, my favorite Ganon is probably Wind Waker Ganon, just because yeah. he's he's so much bigger than Link that his he's yeah. a really imposing boss fight. And he's I very stylish looking. I like that he's wearing a kind of robe. Yeah, he, he's wearing a big robe with that, that sort of ornately designed, and he fights with cutlasses, make make because he's sort of like an evil pirate king uh, for most of the game. Sort of like an Arabic kind of take on, like a very more interesting take on that Arabic uh, idea, I guess. Yeah, and and, and I mean. Um, uh, the, the Arab countries have a, a long, cool tradition of, uh, of piracy, even when you said it alongside uh, like the more Western idea of what oh, seafaring pirates are. But it, I but guess, it's a, yeah, but I it's, guess it also makes sense, too, because like, I guess Ocarina of Time, you had the Gerudo who were very obvious, uh, you know, like, you know, kind of going for that fantasy sand people look, right? But Ganon kind of just didn't look like that. <laughs> He, he also, I think he's him. a little bit more broad in uh, in Wind Waker. He's more barrel chested and not looks, and not and not skinny. Yeah. He looks very villain, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> he, he just looks like kind of a generic villain wearing a bodysuit. He kind of is Saturday morning cartoon villain, but he but uh, I, I I I like his look in general in uh, Wind Waker more than uh more than in the other games where I've fought Ganon many a time. Uh, Nathan, I totally agree. Nathan, do you have a favorite Ganon or maybe a Ganon you particularly dislike? Uh, I really don't like uh, Breath of the Wild's Ganon. If yeah. that even counts. That was a phoned in. For a game with such a great visual, I thought that was pretty phoned in. Well, but, plus Ganon has no personality in that game. He's yeah, just really, I want to destroy. And that's it's just a black Ganon. cloud. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. Just a mindless beast. But uh, have you ever seen that like fan art picture of like, uh, ah, you know what, it's not even worth getting into. Anyways, yeah, there's like some who have wanted to see like Ganon kind of as a good guy in one of the games. Or even just to kind of change up their history from being this less obvious basic evil that's how warriors ganon yeah <laughs> kind of for a little bit i don't know zelda needs to have its super mario rpg moment where bowser joins the team as a party and we, we, we just need ganon fighting alongside zelda hopefully like... breath of the wild is like kind of a just a reboot you know of sorts maybe the next game will they'll actually be what more feel more safe to try something completely different with the story i hope we went into that a little bit two weeks ago. Where I think um, I, I think I asked the question: uh, if Breath of the Wild yeah. is, is like a new is the new sort of Zelda standard, instead of going bigger, do we do we like the idea of it going weirder, kind of like Ocarina to Majora's Mask? And I think all four people just said, "Yeah, yeah, let's do that." <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my opinion still stands on that. I would think we should do something like that. Because yeah, I mean, Breath of the Wild is already so you know such a vast, broad game. Um, going bigger for the next Zelda almost seems like, if not an impossible task, then a then a very challenging task. Like having them go in a different direction, I think is, I think would be a cool move by Nintendo. And we have no idea what co is coming next in Zelda. Uh, let's see. We've talked about our favorite uh, Zeldas and Ganons. Do you? How about a favorite Link? Ooh. Or maybe Wind a Link that kind of that kind of sucks. It's Wind Waker. I, I love the facial expressions on Wind, Wind Waker Link. That those are great. I love Breath yeah. of the Wild Link. I, I love his hair. I love his new outfits. I like his attitude when he doesn't have any t any shirt on. <laughs> I think well, that when Breath he's of... in a cold environment, he has kind of like some nice facial expressions in Breath of the Wild. I think Breath yeah. of the Wild is like sort of the best version of Adult Link, and Wind Waker is the best version of Kid Link in in general. I, th I think that's. 
I don't think that's controversial, but because I'm, both of them are portrayed really, really well and are expressive Actually, and beautiful. I sort of like Majora's Mask Link for what I bring into it, where I'm like, this is a person who has lived like to do Ocarina enough time. So he was a kid, then he got transformed into an adult, now he's a kid again, like like kind of dealing with it, <laughs> dealing with this knowledge that he has about the timeline. I mean, and uh, I was like, all right, let's go save Termina now, I guess. <laughs> Majora's yeah. Mask is I mean, it's basically the Groundhog Day of The Legend of Zelda. Um, but, but, like, you have this already really seasoned warrior, even though he's a kid, and I just think the Majora's Mask Link is probably my favorite for that reason. But, I mean, I mean, I mean, but in Groundhog Day, I mean, when Bill Murray's character is trapped in the same day over and over, possibly hundreds or thousands of times, by the end, he's uh, learned how to pay the, play the piano and learned a new language, and it's just this incredibly sophisticated, much better, yeah. ver much, much better version of himself. And I imagine that Link in Majora's Mask is the same. He's like, I'm trapped in this cycle, so I'm, I might as well just get all the masks and all the hearts and, be, and turn into a superhero. <laughs> you get all the masks, you turn into like an evil version of yourself and just wreck all the bosses of the game. Yeah. Oh, that is a great final boss sequence, like, for how weird it is. Like, when you take an ancient warrior mask against a, an evil cursed mask, like, it's, yeah. it's a trip. It's as trippy as it sounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm aware and of fears. throws every color at you, too. Like, that whole final boss sequence is just incredibly weird. It's just incredibly tri trippy. Horrible. I'm yeah, aware of like a, a fierce dear deity link, but I haven't experienced it for myself, of course. Oh, it's glorious. <laughs> they, they really save the whole best for last kind of feeling. I think you can literally only use that mask for that one fight too, right? I, I'm just, you're asking me? Oh, sorry, my mom came through the door. <laughs> I missed the question. That's uh, okay. The answer is yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, uh, okay, uh, Nathan, now that your mom has left, um, I'm going to pick on you a little bit. Um, before, I don't think we, we addressed it two weeks ago, but uh, when we were doing the early voting stuff, um, uh, you mentioned to me that you had never finished a 2D Zelda game, that you've, that you've, tried, yeah. a, you've, you've tried a couple of them, but you haven't, never really got to any of them. So, and, and as a result, and, and uh, if, if I'm putting words in your mouth, please correct me, that sort of 3D Zelda is what is your, you know, is sort of your Zelda, and 2D Zelda almost feels like a different kind of game or a different series of games. And for That's me, for me, the opposite is almost true, because I didn't play any 3D Zeldas until, I think, 2011. So for a long time, and, and I've been playing Zelda games since the early 90s, so, like, for, for most of my Zelda career, 2D Zelda was my Zelda, and... The same is true for you, but for 3D. So, uh, mm -hmm. do you have a specific hang-up about 2D Zelda that has, has um, gotten in your way, or is it mostly just time and time? And uh, like, like, would you sit down and play as 2D Zelda through to the end? You think in 2018? I probably could. It's, like, it's mostly due to time constraints. When I was growing up, uh, I grew up like I've been I've been born in the early 90s, so. By the time I was like six years old, Ocarina of Time was the, was the hot thing. So every single time a Zelda game came out on console, they were always 3D. I didn't really have handhelds at the time, which is where 2D Zelda ended up moving to. So whenever I get did get a handheld game, it was also Pokemon. So so <laughs> so, so you it, had so you, so you had handhelds. You just didn't buy any Zelda games for them. <laughs> yeah, well, I was like what like eight, nine, ten years old. And have a job, and uh, I was obsessed with Pokemon. So, hand, like anything besides uh, Pokemon on handheld was kind of like alien to me. But uh, yeah, so on, on consoles, I stuck to the 3D Zelda games. That's, that's where I saw my uh, most play time. Okay, besides now, uh, Steph, I might I might need your help for this plan a little bit. But my idea is that we kidnap Mr. Lee. Mm -hmm. um, we lock him in a basement, and once he has beaten at least two of the Game Boy or DS Zelda games, then he gets to eat. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yep, sounds good. <laughs> right, and uh, and I didn't. Um, I mean, I, I I did basically avoid the 3D Zelda games for a while. I never owned an N64, so I I played or at least observed my friends play uh, Ocarina of Time quite a bit, but at at friends' houses, but I um, didn't play. Ocarina of Time until the GameCube version uh, many years later, and I and right after playing that, I'm like, okay, Zelda, 3D Zelda isn't so bad, and I I finished um, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess not that long after, so I uh, and I guess those three plus Breath of the Wild, which I'm in the middle of, are the only 3D ones I've played, and I I really like um, all four of those. Uh, Breath of the Wild is I, 
the, I think the best of the four. But uh, Steph, you might be in the middle because I've I've heard you praise um, both two D and three D Zelda over the course of two podcasts. Um, and and of course, each one of them has you know it's sort of different versions of Zelda tradition and Zelda formula. Uh, what do you think is maybe a strength of 2D over 3D and a strength of 3D over 2D for the different games. I know that's an open-ended question, but do your best. <laughs> 2D is probably a bigger emphasis on level design, and 3D is probably more emphasis on world. Cool. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's true. I, I always love seeing a tightly designed 2D Zelda dungeon. Like It's part of why I was I was so blown away by Link Between Worlds. But when you say world is a strength of 3D, is it is it... Um, interacting with the world or like the 3D scale of it like when you look up at the ceiling of a dungeon thing. yeah because the whole thing about 3D is that it really like you know literally expands the playing field right because <laughs> uh, you're kind of taking it on in a whole new perspective but, like it's kind of interesting to see how like Zelda was one of the first big action RPGs and like the whole first dungeon or, or Mario 64 was designed around helping players you know get used to a 3D workspace <laughs> Um, so I kind of think about that sort of thing. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, for the 2D Zeldas, when you look at the world map, they're all basically a rectangle. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and for 3D, even though they're also a rectangle, they feel vaster and and feel less like, you know, feel less like pieces on a chessboard. I guess when you're um, when you're navigating. But I can't say either style is necessarily bad. I've definitely loved both of them, and I just pick them both up unbiasedly. I'll just like, all right, another Zelda. It's mine now. Yeah, <laughs> when, when I was a, when I was an asshole teenager, I uh, I was I insisted that 2D Zelda was better than 3D Zelda. But I've I've, I've definitely <laughs> I definitely don't have that feeling anymore. Um, I like so, that we all have a different answer for this too. <laughs> <laughs> So um, now I think it's safe to assume that uh, the next Zelda is also going to be a Switch Zelda because I'm, I I I think that Nintendo is going to focus on the Switch instead of make a make a new new 3DS. Well, <laughs> no, but I do wonder if they'll make like another small scale Zelda. Like yeah, what if they did do. Yeah, um, that, that was that was basically what my question was. Like, do you think they yeah, might 3DS? make a Switch 2D Zelda? And do you think that um, like like what do you think it could take from Link Between Worlds and Breath of the Wild? Well, I like the focus on, like, the really big focus on indie gaming and um, and even, like, uh, what Octopath Traveler is doing. It shows that you can kind of put lower quality looking oh, games. Yeah, I don't two, mean two it that way, but dead. I mean, yeah. yeah, you can definitely really make it work on the Switch. And I think Switch has a same thing, just a very interesting design philosophy behind the games it puts on there. Yeah, the Switch versions of Celeste and Shantae and stuff. There's a yeah. lot of good 2D stuff mm -hmm. on the Switch. Yeah, yeah, and I think they're just more about an interesting game than necessarily, like, if, if it's a top-tier AAA-looking game. They don't care about that. They just want your idea to be really good. And I feel like a lot of uh, Zelda games definitely get that across. Yeah, and, and I know we've hit on this a bunch of times, but, like, thinking of what they could do with a 2D Zelda, thinking of how successful and awesome Breath of the Wild is, thinking of how yeah. popular the Switch is, all of this makes the idea of what Z Nintendo might do with their next Zelda just so appetizing. I'm, I am... I'm thirsty as hell for a trailer or something. <laughs> just, just, just like giving us the briefest glimpse of the next Zelda. But, yeah, and, and, I, and I haven't be, been this, I haven't been this excited <laughs> about Zelda. Oh God, I don't, I don't know. Maybe since, um, since a link between worlds was announced as a sequel to link to the past, like then that was at least five years ago. I, I've, I've not been this hype for Zelda maybe my entire life. And, uh, and uh, and I've always liked Zelda, but this is the you know the most excited I've ever been for it, and it's it's a, because Nintendo is in such a good place right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so exciting to see because whatever Nintendo does well, they usually put out some of their best stuff. When when Nintendo does Zelda or Mario, they, they they're bringing their A game, and part of why 2017 was so remarkable was that we got a we got big budget Zelda and big budget Mario in the same year, and both of them were. I would say I, that's what I, like I would say I would say I would say successful. That. I feel like most Nintendo games I think that's why they have the reputation to do is a labor of love. Like everything about it seems seems really well thought out. Yeah, everything just and seems like, just 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 expertly planned and polished and just uh, has a lot of a yeah, lot like of, heart one of my and fun. favorite things about the Zelda series hands down is how their attention to detail and everything. They were one of the first early like earliest and most frequent games to like for example have if Link is kind of standing on the side then one of his legs will be higher than the other. Like it's small little graphical details like that that the series really, really remembers to do, or you know, they put them putting in like realistic constellations or some of the cause and effect things that you can do in uh in Breath of the Wild, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like cutting down trees. How would you go about cutting down trees or making fire? They actually give you items and easy ways to do all that. 
they do the Monster Hunter thing where you need uh, you need cold drinks or 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 uh, yeah protective clothes <laughs> from the heat and uh, and and vice versa for the cold. It's... But I think that's what makes the Zelda series fun is that it feels like a very hands-on game. Like you know you have a whole oh, yeah. arsenal of tools to solve puzzles with, and I think that's really fun for players on a very basic sense. It's not just like get a better sword; it's get a get a the better tool for the job. I mean, it, like we said at the very beginning of this podcast, like the. Uh, what what we love about Zelda are the tightly like the tightly designed maps and dungeons. The feeling of progress as a you know as you go from nothing to super to you know to a superhero by the end, and all of its you know attention to detail in sound design and art design. It's 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 a very special series, and all three of us have different feelings about it. And we and each of the three of us would answer what is Zelda differently, but that's yes. part of that's part of why it's great and why it's special. So. I think it's about time to to you know, roll up the carpet here. Um, this has been episode 132 of Retro Encounter. Thank you, listeners, <laughs> for standing with uh, for staying with us. Uh, ramble and rant about Zelda for an hour plus. And thank you, Stefan. I'm just talking random things about it actually, because there's just a lot of things to yeah, I, I guess. We, we can go <laughs> another. We can go another hour, I think. But I, but I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to you know like keep certain limits to to, to podcast length and pace that I uh, that that I'm I'm always worried about whenever I record. So if I ever sound confused <laughs> or stressed, it's because I'm always confused stress that that's my secret like uh bruce banner style i'm always stressed <laughs> that's my secret that's my yeah. secret cap i'm always stressed <laughs> but uh, but thank you steph and thank you nathan for um chatting with me for so long about this uh but listeners we're going to talk about the future of retro encounter briefly uh in next week we are going to discuss the legend of zelda the minish cap the game i'm playing uh, as recently as 15 minutes before this podcast recording began. <laughs> um, uh, Chris and I are going to be talk breaking down that one. The Minish Cap won a fan vote that we held in February for an episode that we would be covering, and we are going to deliver on that. I am about, I want to say, two-thirds of the way through the game, maybe maybe around 75%, so I should be able to finish it in time. And uh, coming after that in May, we have planned a couple episodes out. The um, game for May, the official like two-episode game for the month of May, is Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. Um, that game is excellent. Nathan might not like it because it's in 2D. But... You know, I, love, I love that game, actually. But uh, I've, I haven't finished it, so... I'm, uh, ah, mm-hmm. I haven't finished I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that um, I love that game a lot, and one of the panelists for that those two episodes has, is playing Mario RPG for the first time, so I'm very excited to hear her thoughts on it. And uh, we're also doing... Um, a slightly negative episode right after the first Mario RPG episode, because, I mean, mostly in Retro Encounter, we're celebratory, we're enthusiastic, we're fans of the games that we're talking about, but we're going to have a slightly negative episode in early May that I will uh, that I will um, not say the title of right, just qu- just quite yet. But, listeners, if you want to reach out to us, the best way to do so is via email, to email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also comment on the rpgfan.com boards, visit the RPG Fan Facebook page, check out RPGFanCom on Twitter, where Steph is one of the people most likely to be responding to your messages, and uh, also leave us reviews on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you find us. There's also an RPG Fan Discord, where if you, I'm, I'm not sure if you need an invite to it, but if, um, if you just go to the RPGFan.com front page, you'll find a link to the Discord, and if, if you need an invite, we can set you up. Uh, we also have streamers that are streaming video game stuff on Twitch.tv basically every evening. So uh, if, you, if you check the schedule on RPGFan.com, you'll see what game, who's playing what game in a particular week. But however you can reach out to us and, or get, connect to us, please do so. Please give us feedback. Please give us constructive criticism. We read everything directed compliments. to us. I, cons- <laughs> I, I will accept compliments or insults as long as they're constructive and, oh. not, and not a... Uh, slow, so you gotta play Kingdom Hearts variety. <laughs> so it's never gonna go away. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it, it's uh, I, I have gotten some messages about that, but not enough to actually motivate me to play Kingdom Hearts. But we'll we'll see. I'm I'm not I'm never gonna totally shut the door on Retro Encounter playing Kingdom Hearts, but it, I do not think it will happen soon. But uh, starting with you, Nathan, um, how can see. fans reach out to you on social media? All right, so you can find me at. Smashking27 on Twitter. Or if you want to follow me on my Twitch, it's Smashking... Ah, Twitch.tv slash Smashking25. There we go. I can't talk today. I'm, it's I'm okay. That, that, today. that makes two of us, because I've been stumbling over words for this entire podcast. But, um, um, Steph, same to you. How can listeners find you? 
Uh, you can find me at Dice SMS on tw- most places Twitter, Insta, I don't know, Facebook, a whole bunch of places. Uh, yeah, so Dice SMS. And yeah, I'll be responding to you on social media. Oh, that reminds me. You mentioned that um, that was your Instagram name. Um, RPG fans have been expanding into Instagram recently, haven't we? Yeah, that's right. We have been in- expanding into Instagram. Uh, if you search us on Instagram, RPG fan com i believe yeah it's just yeah i always forget if there's a dot in there but yeah rpg fan com at instagram uh there i'm actually posting sort of little kind of less newsy stuff and more just kind of cool rpg images and pictures and uh just stuff enthusiasts will like for sure very cool and also one last thing i want to mention um we have been doing an ongoing zelda feature through the month of april uh we hadn't finished it yet uh when we were recording the first two episodes of zelda month so i didn't mention it then but by now there should be at least one mini feature uh, i believe it's called um i i believe it's called hyrule highlights we, we were uh, a little oh, this, <laughs> we went crazy <laughs> we were a little bit crazy naming this thing but um if you go to it, it, um i don't know when you're listening to this episode listeners so it, it could be months ago for from, uh, from what I know. So if you, if you uh, go to RPGFan.com, go to the features page, then you uh, browse through our many, many features that we've done over the years. There should be some April 2018 bits uh, that are a collection of you know short essays and blurbs about um, the, our favorite things of the different of of Zelda in general. Um, I think I wrote a blurb on the boomerang in Link's Awakening and Maya Mai's in A Link Between Worlds. And uh, uh, Nathan, would you remember one of the blurbs that you wrote? I wrote a couple of boss battles and uh, I think one of the dungeons, I believe. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. And Steph, what, what, do you remember one or two of the things you wrote for the feature? Because I know you were one of the, uh, you, Steph, you were one of those features architects. Yeah, I wrote a lot. Uh, I wrote a lot actually about quite a few characters and songs. So I think that that's something we couldn't really talk about here. Or didn't? Oh, we should have talked about music. We talked, oh about, music. We talked about music a little bit. Um, but oh, okay, before God. we sign off, just uh, not your number one overall favorite. Uh, Nathan, give me one cool Zelda song that you like. Uh, one is from my childhood, so I always remember this one, Song of Storms. So those are one of my favorites. <laughs> I right whistle on. that sometimes. <laughs> Steph, yeah. what, Steph, you have a cool Zelda song that you like? Zora's Domain. <laughs> I really, really like the uh, Kakariko Village music from... Uh, a link to the past and the low rule music in a link between worlds. Those two are both awesome. Maybe those I should use choices. maybe I should use one of those for the ending to this podcast. I don't know. A lot of forest themes have actually been pretty pretty solid. Yeah, there's a lot of good Zelda music, and uh, but there's a lot of good Zelda <laughs> stuff in general. So listeners, please uh, look up that <laughs> RPG fan feature. It's a I think it's, I think we're dividing it into a couple mini features, and you can find them on RPGFan.com in the features section from April 2018. So that's a lot of Zelda we've gone over in this podcast. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Steph. Thank you, Nathan. Good night and good luck. <laughs> da 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 da.